Andy Warhol looks a scream. Hang him on my oh, wall. Andy Warhol's you know silver scream. Can't tell them my father's insane. Wow, that was the most annoying, noxious <laughs> opener thus far. Not only did I obnoxiously open, like I do with every episode, <laughs> but you had to try to steal my thunder there, guy. I really wanted to sing Oh You Pretty Things. Cause... I, was, I, was gonna, I was just about to ask you that. I, I couldn't, between my obnoxious voice and your obnoxious voice, I could not decipher what song you were singing. <laughs> so thank you for clarifying that, that that was the track you were singing. You... Um, if you were wondering, assuming that you haven't stopped listening to this episode because of that obnoxious <laughs> opener, I was singing Andy Warhol and uh, Robert was singing Oh the Pretty Things. Both tracks off this amazing record that we're going to talk about today. Andy was singing Andy Warhol. try yeah you, you, yeah i i believe i believe you guys believe what's me? up i'm your i'm your host uh rob <laughs> for this evening uh andy is co-hosting here uh we have a nice little program for you tonight we will be talking That's... about david bowie's fourth studio album is there a reason why you're speaking hunky like dory that? i have no idea <laughs> you got me in a goofy this, uh, this program so. is brought to you by andrew thomas king Robert, wait a minute. I don't know your middle name. And the and the letter A and the number fourteen. And <laughs> today's sponsored in part by, by viewer, viewers the like four you. Four and the letter L. <laughs> What's up, guys? I'm ready to talk about Hunky Dory. I'm stoked. Hunky Dory. I I have to tell you that now that we're both in goofy moods. Um. I debuting actually I shouldn't say debuting technically the last episode um debuting for the first time Andy's drinking a Sam Adams oh my god well we didn't know you were drinking a Sam Adams in the, in the I last eat episode. let me tell you something I usually like to rock um the sound of music with either a bottle of seltzer uh-huh. a, good choice by the way thank you a cup of tea and or coffee and or coffee i usually rock the caffeine because it gets me going but uh yeah but i decided you know what andy you had a very long week i think let's crack open a beer hey man it's 7 42 p.m on a friday night like you said you had a long week why the hell not so not only that we should tell you maybe we shouldn't i'm going to but we are actually back-to-back recording. So we just got done recording the Man Who Sold the World episode. Mm-hmm. So while we're recording two episodes tonight, you're not going to hear this one for another two weeks. Yep. Mind blown. Whoa. 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 Oh, my God. This is like the so, King Crimson days. <laughs> I know. Yeah, once, all, once all is said and done here, these two episodes will be about the equivalent to one King Crimson episode. Uh, but, you know, we just got so used to the Bowie format that recording two episodes back to back. Yeah, needless to say, we're going to both be a little goofy. You know yeah. I'm always goofy when we record these uh, podcasts, but uh, now that we got Rob goofy too, it's just going to be a silly episode. Uh, oh, my God. And I haven't even been... No, I, have, I don't even have a Sam Adams or anything, so... Got I got, I've got no beer in the fridge. I think we're going to have to rectify that tonight. So, 
Yes. Rob, yes. we're here to okay. talk about Hunky Dory. Don't do that. Please, please, please. Uh, let's talk about Hunky Dory. I, I thought I lost you there for a second. I got worried because we were, we're talking about Hunky Dory today. There was just a long let's... pause there. <laughs> well, I'm All still right. here. Let's do it. Let's talk about Hunky Dory. It's time. All right. Jump into it. So, Hunky Dory, you can tell that we are both excited to talk about this one, guys. Uh, mm -hmm. Record album, studio album number four. Excuse me as I clear my throat. Released on December 17th, 1971 on RCA Records. Uh, this was actually the first record released on RCA, uh, which Bowie would continue to be on for, I believe, the next decade. And uh, I love the way that all music Stephen Thomas um, describes this album. So I'm quoting this guy here. Yeah, it's a Donkey Dory is like a kaleidoscopic array of pop styles tied together only by Bowie's sense of vision, a sweeping cinematic melange, melange, melange of high and low art, ambitious sexuality, kitsch, and class. Nice. Ambiguous uh, sexuality. Ambig what did I say? Ambitious. Oh, I did say ambitious. Oh, God. Now I got to um, flame you in the comments. And ambiguous. <laughs> um, you know, stop. Long day. All right. We said that already. Right. Let's stop bitching about my long day. <laughs> no, no big deal. Yeah. Ugh, maybe I should not drink beer. That's okay. <laughs> um, Would you like me to tell you the personnel? Yes, please do. The personnel Don't want to steal this your album job. is largely the same with a few <clears throat> additions and one subtraction as the previous album. And we have David Bowie, the man himself, on vocals, guitar, alto, and tenor saxophone, piano on Oh You Pretty Things, Eight Line Poem, and Bell uh, Boulet Brothers. Mick Ronson on guitar, vocals, Mellotron, and arrangements. Trevor Boulder is replacing Tony Visconti as bass, the bass player, and he plays a little trumpet. Mick Woodmansey on drums, he's back. And we have none other than the man, the maestro, and I would argue probably the second most vital um, contributor to this album, Rick Wakeman on piano, who, who is back from Space Oddity. Yes, that's right. Mr. Rick Wakeman's back. So speaking of him, I'd like to actually talk about him for a second. Go so for it. Uh, from what I understand... Um, I've seen a, like a, a couple of interviews with Rick Wakeman, and he's talked about this a lot. First of all, this man adores David Bowie. He, I, mm -hmm. I, it's unsurprising because this was even before uh, Rick Wakeman was in Yes, so he was still pretty pretty unknown for the most part, no. uh, aside from just doing a lot of session work. And um, Rick Wakeman said that Bowie approached him when doing this album saying that this album would essentially be centered around his piano playing so that I thought really that i never knew that yeah i mean well i mean if you listen to the album and we'll get into it uh we'll get into that in a minute mm -hmm. somebody i know um, yeah yeah no i mean for sure i mean that's i mean the piano is very 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 prominent throughout this very album. prominent on this record yeah. um but i i, I never knew that but that's um mm -hmm. that was the initial intention there that's that's pretty cool yep so it was very much uh, centered around his piano playing, and a lot of it was, a lot of the tracks were, you know, I mean, there's a couple of tracks that even says here, uh, uh, Bowie actually plays piano with Wakeman on three tracks, so pretty interesting. Very piano-centered piano, piano -centered album. Yeah, so I mean, Hunky Dory in many ways is sort of uh, 
a departure, but yes, some um, yeah, at the same time, some foreshadowing with uh, where Bowie goes within the next couple of years. Um, going back to that Stephen Thomas quote, um, there's definitely some reinvention here, and actually, that kind of really ties into the first track, which um, you know, of course, is changes. Um, that song literally talks about artistic reinvention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess we're getting right into it with that segue. So yeah, here we go. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> Side one, track one. Unless if you have anything you want to add. No, go um, ahead. Changes. Let's talk about it. Uh, changes. Well, I mean, what can you not... I mean, this is a classic song. I mean... Yeah, this I'm... was one of the first Bowie songs that I think I ever got into and ever heard, really. I think, like, it probably, like, I don't know exactly what it is. It was probably Space Oddity and then this song were probably, you know, I mean, this is one of his most, one of his biggest hits, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, um, you know this is one of those songs that is so overplayed that yes. does not bother me. No, I agree. Yeah, as to how so... overplayed it is, yeah. I, I this song still every time I hear it, whether I'm it's in the context of listening to Hunky Dory or comes on Spotify, the radio, I just blast it every time. Sing along. I, this is just a great tune. Was this one of his first like hits on, in the U.S.? Um, that's a good question. I actually have that pulled up. Uh, no, actually. Really December 1971, it was released January 7th and 72 as a single, the day before Bowie's 25th birthday. Despite missing the top 40 of the Billboard Hot 100, mm-hmm. Changes became one of Bowie's best-known songs. But mm-hmm. no, this actually was not a hit. Interesting. I don't At the time, how. at least. I don't yeah. know how. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Fun fact there. Uh, but let's talk about Changes. Uh, yeah, I mean... As far as the song goes, I really, you know, I mean, you think because it's changes, it's one of the songs that I could go on and on about. I probably could, but I mean, it's, first of all, I don't know how people, how many people don't know this song. It's so famous. Um, I mean, what, what is there to say? Like the piano is fantastic. Uh, the lyrics are fantastic. It's, it, it was interesting. You said that uh, it's kind of about stylistically changing, I guess, mm-hmm. um, or like, um about how I, I like the way you kind of kind of intermingled the this idea of him changing um kind of reinventing himself and kind of marrying that with this, the idea of the lyrics of changes i always kind of took it as um sort of like a reflection of the times it was written because you're talking like 71 early 70s no. you're still coming off of that kind of 60s revolution period so i always thought of it was kind of this this idea of like young people embracing changes and um and and kind of criticizing you know with even lyrics like you know uh and these children that you spit on as they try to change their worlds or immune to your consultations you know it 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 seems to me this idea of you know of young people embracing change and older people kind of criticizing them over it and judging them over it that was always the kind of idea i had Whenever I heard yeah, and, and I'm, I'm reading over the lyrics too, and mm-hmm. that's definitely um, that's definitely how I would interpret it as well. And it just made me think, yeah. and now I have to look it up. That's a theme that 
Bowie visits later on uh, a similar theme in um, Teenage Wildlife off of Scary Monsters. It's kind of the same thing. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the lyric at the moment, but it's kind of like that same idea, kind of like, you know, taking taking a jab at, like, you know, that generation, you know? Yeah. Um, All I have to say to you, Dave Bowie, is okay, Boomer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have to it's okay, that. Boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, one of the things that stands out with this song for me, um, I talked about in the last episode that on, you know, like this record and, uh, you know, Rise of Ball, Sega Stardust, Let Insane, um, Bowie utilizes McRodson to his core. And yeah, a lot of people associate McRodson as a guitar player and rightfully so. He's one of my favorite guitar players. Um, but the, the guy was really a multi-instrumentalist and I, mm-hmm. the, the, the contrast of Rick Wakeman's piano and McRod's string arrangements on this song. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Just totally stands out on top of, of course, Bowie's vocals and the, the saxophone yeah. that's there too. Um, there's just so much little, you know, instrumental idio- idiosyncrasies that are going on. And like, that's, that's, that's what makes a great pop song is I love dissecting a song like this, this catchy song, but there's just so much of this undertone going on in the song too, that like your average person just wouldn't really, you know, not to come off pretentious or anything, but your average person wouldn't really take the time to just really listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's my, Um, my little thought there. I have a question. I don't know if you know the answer to this. What's with the uh, the stuttering chorus? It reminds me of like there's two songs that always come to mind with that. There's uh, the Who, My Generation, and uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive. Um, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. Like, oh, what's with the yeah. stuttering chorus? Like, I always wondered that with this song. I, I wonder why he chose to do that. To change it, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, Bowie, of course, was a huge, um, you know, Who fan. Yeah, maybe um, so. I don't. Simply... I don't know if that was something intentional, his part, or just a pure coincidence. But uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I'm not. I don't. I don't have an answer to that. To be honest, yeah, I, I I was just trying to see. Now it just it didn't really say anything about the stuttering chorus. I'd be curious why he chose to do that. You know. Yeah, definitely. Um, huh. I maybe it's because I guess if you think about it now, now I'm getting deep now. Because uh, if you think about like the lyrical themes, because I don't think the BTO song came out until after this. I think that was like seventy three or seventy four, so that would have been a couple years after. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Who, uh, the My Generation, you know, the lyrics of My Generation are very similar in theme as the changes. Um, you know, people try to put us down, talking about, about My Generation. You know, so maybe just the the song itself, My Generation, was part partly inspired this song. Um, both, you know, in terms of the themes of the lyrics and just the the chorus. I don't know. But yeah, I, I've always wondered that. Like, what, what, why did he choose to do the stuttering thing? <laughs> I like uh, but, it. I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I like it yeah. too. It, it, it somehow <laughs> works. And so and I guess in that aspect, who cares, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, but I, I've, I've always just wondered it, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 not something I've I've always been you know conscious about the stuttering, but not yeah. something I also really like thought about at the same yeah. time. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Fair enough. That's yeah. Now you got me thinking about it. But, <laughs> all right. I think we uh, I think we should move on to track two though. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, you're fine. You're please. You're fine. That 
that's the show. <laughs> um, but I do want to move on to track two, though. Uh, sure. This is another one of my favorite tracks. Um, oh, you there. Oh, you pretty things. Oh, you pretty you things. pretty things. You pretty things. All right, enough of that. This song is just great. Like, yeah, it's, I it's mean, it's so just it good. kind of like it's just it's similar to the changes in that aspect that it's just a really great, you know, catchy song that just has a lot of. You know, a lot going on underneath on the I instrumental really love side. The build up to the chorus too, like um, like some of the some of the lines in there. It's like, uh, you know, where he talks about I made you breakfast and coffee. You know, and that, the <laughs> piano in there. It's so good. I love the I love the build up, and then it just kind of like uh, picks up and becomes kind of a uh, I don't know. Tempo goes up, gets a little bit. Yeah. Look out my window. What do I see? Crack yeah. <laughs> in the sky. Yeah, right, yeah it's so good. Um, it's... But uh, yeah, I this um, I was just reading on uh, on Wikipedia that um, the piano style has been compared to um, Martha by yeah, I can't talk. Martha, my dear, by the Beatles, mm-hmm. um, which I never, you know, made that comparison before. I think that's interesting, but definitely some similarities there. You know, I mean, I gotta say, you know. As a huge fan of Yes, um, and I mean, I don't think I don't love everything Yes has done, but um, and and knowing how um, complex and uh, how um, just how crazy Yes's music can be, and how musically impressive it is, uh, and just some of the stuff Rick Wakeman did in Yes, I mean, I mean, incredible stuff, Close to the Edge, you know, Fragile. A lot of stuff on fragile, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that aside, this is some of his best playing, I really think. Like even with all of putting that into account, um, I think he really, really shines on this album. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, yeah. I think it's easy to you know think of like you know a band like Yes and just how you know sophisticated they you know they were, mm-hmm. and um, and obviously like the stuff he did in Yes is groundbreaking. But, oh, of course. You know, yeah, with that, about, you know, I mean, God, you know. Right. But with that being said, I would make the argument, too, that um, as what I'm sure, you know, a, a musician like Rick Wakeman, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, in some ways, certain styles of pop music can be more difficult to play. Oh, yeah, yeah. Than, say, some, like, out there noodly stuff that, you know, I'm not, not saying, yes, it's necessarily a noodling band. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, I would make that argument that in some cases, you know, um, you know, pop music can be more difficult to play. I absolutely agree that I think also being a huge Yes fan myself, that um, some of Rick Wakeman's best playing is on this record for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I um, mean, you know, take it. Go ahead. Yeah. And he's done, I mean, he's done all kinds of, I think it's a testament to how good of a piano player he is because he's done stuff with cat stevens he plays uh he's done stuff with black sabbath uh he's done all kinds what of stuff. sabbath record did he play on sabbath bloody sabbath oh that's right yeah yep. i knew yeah, that so i, I think that. it's a big testament to the kind of player he is that he is able to um seamlessly i mean he the guy the guy could play anything you know i mean just about any genre that you I, I think he could he could do well so mm-hmm. I think the fact that he plays on one of Bowie's biggest albums and some of his most famous songs I think it's um, 
I think it says a lot about his about him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um all right, let's uh let's move on to track 3 which um there's really not much to say about this next one. Uh eight-line poem. Um really I this is just kind of an interlude between oh you pretty things to life on Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always I wrote that's you know, a pretty good song, uh, and I like the piano and the guitar. Yeah, I, I've 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 always really liked it. I, I it's a cool little guitar lick from Mick Ronson, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nothing special by any means, but um, you know, nah. I, it's not something I skip over at the same time. No, it, it's a it transitions well from uh, "Oh You Pretty Things" to the next song. I think totally. Um, and speaking of transition, um, let's talk about track four. Uh, Life on Mars. Mm-hmm. hate this song <laughs> no i don't hate this song. <laughs> no this this is uh, yeah, stone cold classic man i mean you know just getting off of talking about rick wakeman's piano playing i mm-hmm. the, the piano in this song alone is super iconic mm-hmm. um i'm actually and normally you know i would tell pitchfork to go fuck themselves but i'm reading <laughs> <laughs> i'm reading um the Wikipedia page on Life on Mars, and Pitchfork uh, apparently named Life on Mars as uh, the best song of the 1970s. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm content with that. Yeah, I, I, I could, I, I could totally. I'm, I don't know if I would say that myself, but I'm totally fine with that being absolutely. It's at least in the top ten. It's a fantastic song. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of my favorite Bowie songs ever. Uh, this is a song that I will always go back to. Um, this is just, oh, and the strings, like I love at the end that how the strings kind of sort of like build up and then, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. And again, just like oh, with, um, just like with changes, the, just the, you know, the, the interplay with the, with Mick Ronson's strings and, oh, you know, Rick man. Wakeman's piano. Oh my so God. So freaking good. By the way, there is, I don't know if I told you about this, but uh, shortly after Bowie passed, uh, there's a video of it. I can send it to you maybe after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a video Rick Wakeman did um, where uh, I, he did just a piano tribute to Bowie. I've seen, yep, I've seen that, yep. And he just, it's just Life on Mars. piano, and he, he plays both the piano part of the song and Bowie's, like, vocal melody on it. It's fantastic. Yep, mm-hmm. I've seen really that. It's, it's brilliant, yeah. It's it's beautiful, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, God, the the piano is great. The strings are phenomenal. Bowie's vocals are just uh, like, ugh. I absolutely love his vocals on this track, and the lyrics are interesting. I always thought the lyrics were kind of weird and sort of abstract. But They're the very sci-fi. I... Again, going back to uh, yeah. you know, like Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick. I've uh, I I kind of have. But here's the thing with it, though. The more I, I think about it, I I assume it's supposed to be about some kind of – about a writer who's trying to write a, a movie and, you know, he – you know, some what's the one line where it's like um, – because uh, I wrote it ten times or more. It's about to be writ again, you oh, know, and then lyrics. I ask her to focus on sailors fighting in the like. I feel like it's just supposed to be some kind of weird movie that the person in the song is writing. I don't know. It's but again, it has these like kind of sci-fi themes to it. So oh, for know, sure, it's yeah. very 
Very, very strange uh, lyrics, but I really love them. They're very thought-provoking. My, as I'm pulling this up, my, my, my favorite line in this song, it's right after the first chorus. It's on America's tortured brow. Mickey Mouse has grown up a cow. Now the workers have struck for fame because Lennon's on sale again. That's always been my favorite line in the song. Yeah, I love that part too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's actually, there's there's an interesting, there's a little bit of backstory to this song. I don't know if you're familiar familiar with it or not, but um, originally um, a few years back, like in the 60s, um, Bowie was approached to um, write, this song um this french song for frank sinatra um mm-hmm. but it got turned down and this this french artist who i just pulled it up paul anka um mm-hmm. bought the rights to it and rewrote it into the song my way which is you know one of the most well-known frank sinatra songs of course yeah, yeah. and um yeah, so like, so Bowie wrote Life on Mars a couple years later, and that was kind of like his fuck you <laughs> um, to, you know, to that because, you know, Anka's version ended up becoming, you know, like the best well-known Frank Sinatra song, and Bowie almost had the opportunity to write a song for Frank Sinatra, but then, you know, joke was on that person because <laughs> it became Life on Mars, you know? Yeah, no uh, kidding, And it was yeah. sort of, it kind of like originally was intended to be a parody of uh you know, my way. Um, and, you know, <laughs> no disrespect to Sinatra because you know, Sinatra's great, but Life on Mars is the better song. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. So, but we won in the end as far song. as I'm concerned. Yeah, no kidding, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, t- Timeless Classic. Absolutely love the song. Yeah, I'm. there's the... Um, it's weird because the, the music video that came out a couple years later um, that was recorded um, just shortly after Ziggy Stardust came out, um, it must be re like they must have re-recorded it as well for the music video, and mm-hmm. I-, I hate it. I hate that version of it. I don't know if you're familiar with the Life on Mars music video, but mm-hmm. it's a different like it's it's re-recorded or something. Like the, the vocal melody is different, and I just mm-hmm. don't like it. I like the album version is so much better. I don't know what what their intent was with that when they recorded the video, but. Just a little it seems like nine out of ten, nine times out of a ten, a, cl- a song like that, the album version is always better. You know, yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I've never heard it, so I now I will make sure I do not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, you, you, I feel like you have heard it. it just might have been, you know, might have been a long time ago, but could have been. Yeah, it's possible. This is just one of those songs for me that I could just check everything. Like it's, it's a, it's obviously like across the board, it's a great song. Vocals are great. The arrangement is great. And I always have mixed mm-hmm. feelings when, you know, it comes to like orchestral arrangements, but it's it's yep. used perfectly here. Arrangement mm-hmm. is great. Uh, the production is great. It doesn't lyrics. sound... The lyrics are A+. Plus. Um, and it just like, it sounds like something that could be released today. You know, that's, oh, yeah. that's what I love about the majority of Bowie's music is that you know it's of the time but at the same time doesn't sound dated you know this is something that could be released in 2019 well i suppose it could be yeah but there's nothing nearly as good in 2019 well yeah no that's a different that's a different conversation of course but like you know what i mean in terms of just the the, the sound of the song that it just 
you know, it, it just, I don't know. I, it just, you know, and that's, that's a true testament to me. This was another one of those songs when I first, uh, um, when I first heard it, it just was, it was one of those instant, like this song is just amazing. Oh, you for know? sure. It, yeah. This, and this is one of those songs when I put on Bowie, it, this, like if I'm in a Bowie mood, this song will be played at least, you know, mm-hmm. at least once a day or something. <laughs> you know, it's just so good. Uh, um, but yeah, I think there's really, I think we both kind of thumbed it up. There's really nothing more to, yeah, nothing more to add to it. So, uh, let's move on to track five, which is, uh, kooks. Yep. A couple of kooks. I've always loved this song. Um, this song was a grower for me, but, I, but back in the day it was a grower. Cause when I first heard this full album, I was like, I don't know about this song. It's a little silly, but, um, over the years, yeah, it's, it's, grown on me as well it's definitely become one of my favorite songs yeah i mean this is i think this is one that um a lot of bowie fans kind of uh like it's not one that's like really hated per se but it's always been one that um people poke fun at a little bit but i've always loved this song um the song's actually was written um for like about his son duncan jones Mm um and i don't know there's just this one just always puts a smile on my face every time i hear i want to pull the lyrics it gives again. me a bit of a Neil Young vibe. I, it's funny that you should say that because once again, <laughs> pulling up the Wikipedia article, um, this song was influenced by Neil Young. Uh, I guess <laughs> in 1970, Bowie was listening to a Neil Young record. I guess one would have to after the Gold Rush, uh, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say it might, that might must have been after the Gold Rush because it makes me think of uh, some stuff. I'm gonna look up and see when after the Gold. Bowie Rush. Bowie was listening to a Neil Young record at home. Um, on May 30th, 1971, when he got the news of the arrival of his son. Uh, it couldn't have been uh, after the Gold Rush then. Well, after the Gold Rush was released in September of 1970. So, actually, wait, when was he listening Well, to it, it could have been released as a single, though. Oh, true. Wait, like, what, 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 did, what, what singles were on that record? Uh, what singles were on this record? Let's see. Um, I think probably after the Gold Rush. Oh, only right. love can break your heart in 1970. Oh, that's right. And when you dance, I can really love. Okay. 1971. Oh, that's a great album. Holy crap! Uh, After a... the Gold Rush. Anyway, fantastic I don't album. Want to divert. Um, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything to add about about this song. I just, it's always been one I've enjoyed. I think it's uh, it's a very sentimental song, of course. Um, there's a little bit of humor in there. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's just a great track. Uh, I'm just yeah, gonna I like go- the piano. I'm just as, gonna as is pretty much. I'll probably say that this whole album. Or, but yeah, I, I like the piano. Yeah, I'm just gonna go on and say that like side one of this record is it's perfect. It is perfect. Uh, I wouldn't say it's perfect. Uh, I like. I don't think it needs eight line poem personally. I don't hate eight line. It poem. doesn't need eight line poem, but, but it, doesn't, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't tamper with it at the same time. It doesn't take away the mood or or anything like it, it like it's it's there but it doesn't yeah. bother me that it's there whereas you know often you know uh, there are like a lot of transitional instrumental pieces whatever you want to call them that i'm just like why is this here something i'll yeah, talk about about that we talked about that in the king Crimson yeah that's right within there. the wake of poseidon and, and that's something that yeah. will kind of bother me again when we get to outside um mm-hmm. but for, for here uh it Eight line poem doesn't take it away as far as True. the flow of this record for me at least. 
Uh, I, I, side one is just perfect. And to what what a way to close side one. Um, and mm-hmm. that's track six, of course, which is my favorite song on the record. One of my favorite Bowie songs. This has always been one of my favorite David Bowie songs, uh, Quicksand. Yeah, uh, this was a really, really great song. Uh, I, I, I absolutely agree. This song to me is like a culmination of the first five tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the buildup at the end with the with the instruments, with the again with the yes. string arrangement, and oh, it's so good. I, lyrically, I think this might be Bowie's best song. I said uh, this is what I wrote. I wrote uh, the nice acoustic guitar and piano. The string accompaniment is fantastic. And uh, the the um the line knowledge comes with death's release. Mm, I love it. I love it. That that line is really really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, again, I agree. The lyrics are great. And lyrically, it's, it's up there with like heroes. Like it's one mm. of his best lyric in my opinion. Yeah, uh, it's it's very 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 good. I actually uh, this was another one that was kind of I don't want to say grower because I liked this one. Um, when I first was listening to the album, but as I've listened to the album more, it's one of those kind of deeper tracks that I think I can appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, again, the, the, the instrumentation on this album, um, I mean, with just the acoustic guitars and the, you know, the string arrangement, once again, by the great Mick Ronson, um, mm-hmm. this song, ha- Like Life on Mars, just has all the check marks for me. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's one of my top 10 favorite david bowie songs i'm just gonna i'll just say it now wow um wow nice i nice. love this song bowie's on point with the vocals um <clears throat> it's dark it's you know, metaphorical it's it's just ah i i can i can do a whole podcast just on this song <laughs> <laughs> i really can um well, I'm, i i think the only difference is, is that you like the song way more than i do but i i could see why it's a great track yeah, I, if you had told me you didn't like this song, I would have stopped doing this podcast with you. Yeah. The, by the way, this song sucked. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, <laughs> um, I just I'm, I'm on Wikipedia um, and I'm reading apparently, and I can't stand Marilyn Manson, but we share an opinion, so that's something, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, Marilyn Manson has Marilyn Manson. I know is a big Bowie fan. Um, mm-hmm. That's been on record. Marilyn Manson has... Makes sense. Yeah. Marilyn Manson has stated that Quicksand and Ashes to Ashes are his favorite songs. His favorite David Bowie songs. Um, Which, I mean, Uh, I just said Quicksand's in my top 10. And Ashes to Ashes would probably be my top 10, if not top 15. So there you go. Wow, nice, nice. I'm not surprised uh, all those... um, All those... uh shock rocker guys bet even as far back as alice cooper are huge bowie fans sure uh, it's not really surprising um, no definitely not another one of those pioneers of, in some ways bowie was kind of like the og of that it to a degree it would it would he it, it's between like it's honestly between him alice cooper arthur brown and i was gonna really, say you could go back really further with like about, a, go ahead if you really want to talk about the first guy to really do it, it's Screaming Jay Hawkins. I was you just took the words right out of my mouth. I was yeah. gonna say if you want to go further back, you could say Arthur Brown. Uh, but yeah, the first guy would, be, yeah, Stephen. Uh, 
Screaming Jay. Thank Hawkins, you, yeah. Screaming Jay. Yeah. It was I like told Screaming you. Jay, Arthur Brown, and then like Bowie and Alice Cooper came out around the same time. But those guys really pioneered. I told that you shock rock thing that before we recorded the Manners of the World episode that I predicted that for that one I was going to be goofy, and for the Hunky Dory episode I was going to be derpy like I was for Space Oddity. And the derbiness <laughs> is starting to kick in. <laughs> well, hey, we're already on side two, so let's get going. All right, let's get going. So, um, again, I, I, you know, I can't emphasize enough that I think side one is pretty much perfection. And mm-hmm. while side one is definitely better of the two, um, I still think side two is underrated and needs some love. With that mm-hmm. being said, I hate Fill Your Heart. <laughs> I hate this song hate it i've always hated it i've hated it more the past couple of days i've been listening to this record again i hate this song. i i really this was probably my least favorite on here as well i i wrote that the song is kind of goofy i like some of the instrumentations uh, particularly the sax but they don't really save the song in my opinion yeah i mean so. i don't get me wrong i i love when you know bowie gets goofy but uh, i don't know i've just this song has never <laughs> It didn't. Dab-a-dab. It doesn't Free! work in a way like, like yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like what we were just talking about, Kooks is a little goofy, but it works. But it works. Know? Yeah. The difference yeah, is it works. Doesn't, yeah, I agree. It's, and, it's, and it's, another. It's, I don't think it's a terrible song. I don't hate it, but I just wasn't. It doesn't really do anything for me. And I'm not going to get into it yet, but another reason why I hate this song is because a bonus track that we'll talk about in a little bit uh, was supposed to be. Um, that was supposed to be on this record uh, was replaced with Fill Your Heart. And I'm oh, okay. just, just blown away that it was replaced with this song. But yeah, that's I don't really have anything more to add to this song other than I just, I don't like this song. I never have. Okay, fair enough. Let's, <laughs> let's move on then. So let's move on. Um, I So these next three songs, I've always kind of referred to as the Influence Suite. <laughs> um you know of course andy warhol being about andy warhol song for bob dylan being about uh bob dylan and then queen bitch just intentionally being heavily influenced by the velvet underground mm-hmm. uh, so let's talk about andy warhol first andy warhol is a song that i don't mind overall i've always it's always a song i've enjoyed um we get a little bit of that annoying high-pitched Bowie vocal that I talked about in the last episode with Black Country mm-hmm. Rock and every track off the first record. Um, but all in all, it's it's a pretty good song. It's a, it's it's always I always thought of it as like a you know like an acoustic rocker type of thing. Uh, you kind of some I think we're at, it's we're pretty much on the same page with this record so far. I think it's a decent song. Um, it's. Like if I if this song, I, I don't love it. I don't, I don't know. I th- I think it's I give it like a six out of ten if I were to give it something. I think what what I really like about the song is the acoustic guitar playing mm-hmm. and there's a really nice acoustic solo that um, Mick Ronson does that's that's really good. It's a it's it's a pretty decent track. I I hope this one becomes more of a grower. It hasn't over the you know several years that I've. Um, well, by several, I mean many years that I've been listening to this album. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't stand out to me. I don't know. It's, 
It's like it, it's it's like maybe slightly above average for me. But I think where I might disagree with you on this, uh, where I will agree with you, actually, I'll say is that side one is definitely the superior, the superior side of this album. Side two kind of is where it, it really for me. There's some definitely some gems on here, um, but I'm not really a big fan of side two nearly as much as the S- side two. I really really can't emphasize enough as a grower it really is because for the longest time i would have agreed with you um Mm -hmm. but it it, give it give it time like i side again side one is by far the 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 superior side but i i think um while fill your heart sucks and andy warhol is just eh, um, i think the last three tracks are solid yeah um and speaking of, let's talk about them. Um, okay. Song, song for Bob Dylan. Song for Bob Dylan, which, of course, is a tribute to Bob Dylan, which um, is also referencing Bob Dylan's song, Song to Woody, which, of course, is paying tribute to Woody uh, Guthrie. So that's, you know, mm-hmm. coming full circle there, I guess. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, it's similar to Andy Warhol in the sense that, of course, it's another, you know, tribute song, um, similar arrangement. Um, just of the two, I've, I've always enjoyed this one more. Uh, great guitar solo by Mick Ronson, the second half of this song. That I will agree with you with the guitar solo, but I think I actually do prefer, prefer Andy Warhol over this one. It just sounds a bit too derivative of Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. And, like I'm okay with that to a, in a sense because I know everybody's influenced by by Bob Dylan, but it's just kind of unremarkable. You know, I don't like I don't dislike the song, but it's it's kind of again in that like if I were to give Andy Warhol like a six out of ten, I'd give Andy or I'd give song for Bob Dylan maybe like a five out of ten. Oh wow! wow. I, I think I gotta I think I gotta hear it a little bit more too. Fair I mean, enough. Not that I I've heard this I've heard this album like tons and tons of times, but it's always been the first half of the side of the album that's really stuck out. And this, the, it, it's unfortunate that the second side kind of drags a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think, you know, the, the obviously the Dylan-esque thing to me is intentional. And I totally yeah. get the, uh, you know, the whole, like, of the time that, like, everyone was trying yeah. to, you know, um, you know, pay some type of, like, tribute. Uh, yeah. And even, like, tap into Dylan a little bit. So I get that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just... Um, not disagreeing with anything you're saying about it. I just, I guess it's never bothered me, I suppose. Um, it's just a slight difference, you know? Yeah, but, for sure. Um, um, it's still a good song. Like, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I am a Dylan fan. I like Dylan a lot. Um, um, yeah. Interesting side note. I forgot to mention with Andy Warhol. Um, <laughs> Andy Warhol did not like that song. <laughs> <laughs> he did not like that he did song? did not like it. Um, which is funny <laughs> because, I mean, Bowie, of course, was a huge Andy Warhol fan. Andy Warhol not only did not like that song, but there was a movie released in the 90s. I forget what it's called. Um, might have even been called Andy. I don't remember. Uh, but Bowie plays Andy Warhol. Oh, he plays Andy he Warhol? He plays Andy Warhol, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, it. It's been a no, long I time haven't. since I've seen it. but um, Yeah, I just meant to mention that before. Um, I will say of the three, as I like to call them, the three influence sweet songs... A Queen Bitch without a doubt. My without a doubt is my favorite of the three. Same. It's to me. It's the highlight of the second half of the album. Oh, see, uh, now that's one, where I disagree. But we'll, well get there in a second. 
one of my favorite songs uh, on the album too. I really like Queen Bitch. Uh, Queen Bitch is great, and I'm of course it's heavily influenced by Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground, and the Velvet mm-hmm. Underground are one of my favorite bands. Um, and Bowie was a huge, huge Velvet Underground fan. Um, I mean, he he. I read an interview with him a while ago where he he got to like he was one of the first people that got to hear the uh, you know the um, the acetate tapes of. Um, the Velvet Underground and Nico. So before it was even mm-hmm. the album that we know, um, he got to hear the acetate tapes, which are now you know available today um, to the general public. But um, he was a hardcore Lou Reed Velvet Underground fan. And um, I think out of the three tracks on side two, this is the one where he pays, I think, the um, most respectful tribute out mm-hmm. of the three while not tapping too much into sounding like that artist. Like it's it's clearly Velvet Underground and Lou Reed influence, but it also to me stands out as just another David Bowie song. Yeah, it's a great song. By the way, do you think Bowie was a big fan of Lulu? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry? <laughs> I was just making a joke. I said because uh, because he's such a big Lou Reed fan, mm-hmm. do you think he was a fan of Lulu? Uh, no, he was actually, um, when a couple years after Lou Reed, uh, passed away, when he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, Laurie Anderson, who was Lou Reed's wife, um, when she accepted the, the, you know, the award or whatever, um, mm-hmm. I guess said that, um, Bowie had said to her shortly after Lou Reed passed away that, you know, like Lulu was his, you know, like his, you know, his 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 masterpiece, and that you know, people will understand it someday. That type of thing, and I don't tell you that. What? I I don't think Lulu's a bad record. Um, I would argue to a degree, it's also a little misunderstood. Um, uh-huh. It's not, you know, something I listen to. But um, the closing track off that record, Junior Dad. Uh-huh. is a beautiful track <laughs> it's like 20 minutes long um it's a great song i i do think it's a little misunderstood and i and i do agree with bowie to an extent that i, I can't help but wonder if over time um an appreciation will grow for that record but this isn't a lulu episode <laughs> <laughs> well i was making a joke i did not expect there to be an answer <laughs> no no but hey when it comes to bowie you're gonna get a fucking answer Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah. Long story short. Sorry for the sidetrack. No, I think Queen Queen Bitch is a great song. Great, great song. You know what? You're a queen bitch. Wow. I'm sorry. And I. So what? You gonna judge me? I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's. All right, uh, last track. Final track. <laughs> last track. Closing track. Um, the Ballet Ballet Brothers. Um, this is my favorite song, Offside 2. Um, I think this is a great way to close the record. Uh, and this is another dark track. I want to pull up these lyrics, actually. But while I'm doing that, what are what are your thoughts on this one? So I thought the song was pretty good. I hate the outro. I agree. I, really, I, I do really agree. I really hate the outro. And that's what kind of ruins the song for me, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, I, I agree that almost like chipmunk-like vocals yeah 
yeah, it's it's just like, uh, man. And I can just be you know? edited out, then the song's perfect. As far as I'm Yeah, concerned. pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise I thought it was a pretty decent song, you know? I mean, uh, some pretty cool lyrics. Um, and uh, just, again, uh, the instrumentation is really good, but yeah, it's just that outro, man. Ugh. And so the story goes, they, they wore the clothes, they said the things to make it seem improbable, the wail of a lie, like they hope it was, and the good men of tomorrow, had their feet in the wallow and their heads of brawn were nicer shorn. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Deep stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, um, you know, I don't have too much to add to this one. Other than I, I do agree with you. I, I can't stand the outro uh, either. But it, I, I would say all in all, it's definitely my favorite, my favorite song of um, uh, of side two for sure. Um, I would say all in all, it's just another brick in the wall. All in all, it's just another brick in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> that always comes up. I'm sorry. I was just reading on Wikipedia that uh, somebody compared the coda to this to the Laughing Gnome, which. I don't want to agree with that, but uh, unfortunately I have to. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as I said to you in the last episode to stir up some controversy, mm-hmm. I think this the second half of this album is why I said that while I do like Hunky Dory more, um, and it, Hunky Dory really is one of my favorite Bowie albums, I think uh, when I was saying about The Man Who Sold the World, I think as a cohesive album, it's a bit better in terms of just be you know from to from beginning to end i feel like the album is a bit more solid mm-hmm. but the problem is is that well not really the problem but the thing is with this song is the highs are so high that it's like i, I how could i not put this album above it you know yeah i mean and, there's there's and, no and i don't think there's any song on here that's really terrible you know every i like just about every song and i think a couple of these could potentially be growers for me. So. Yeah, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I, I really think side two will grow on you. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's, again, there's no denying that, you know, and I'm, I'm going to disinclude eight line poem, even though, again, I said, like, it doesn't bother me that it's here and I wouldn't, you know, yeah. take it out. But, like, the, 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 the five actual songs on side one are just undeniable David Bowie classics. Yes, I agree, and and Queen Bitch is one as well. I would agree, mm-hmm. and uh, I think there's I like some stuff about Andy Warhol, and um, even you know Bell, uh, what is it, Boulay Brothers, Boulay. Brothers, I've always pronounced and, it uh, Bellet Brothers, but I don't know if I'm saying it right. Anyway, well, the, the other two I think are pretty decent songs too. So it's not a knock on the album as a whole, but um, uh, yeah, I think just Man Who Sold the World. I think track by track i liked each track a lot so uh except for maybe that last track so i think again as a cohesive album managed sold the world but as but as far as like the album itself i gotta give it to hunky dory over that i mean it's, yeah i mean how can you not and i'll just i, I can't yeah i'll just go on record and already say that i mean hunky dory is in uh it's it's in my top five for Bowie. Bowie albums. It always has been. I've I've always been drawn to this record. Um, mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's just a fucking fantastic record. Bottom line. I know. Um, before, well, I guess we we did this in the last episode too. We kind of really got into our final thoughts already. Um, so, oh, I guess we did. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I do want to talk about the bonus track that I I was referencing before, and then let's do our top three. 
Okay. Um, so I don't know if you've heard this song, um, but there was a track recorded um, that was supposed to be on this album called Bombers. Mm-hmm. And I love this song. It's it's Bowie's protest song. Um, <laughs> but it's just a fun one to listen to. The vocals are great. Um it just should have been on Hunky Dory. Um, it was actually supposed to be uh, the song that opens up side two. So it was supposed to be where mm-hmm. Fill Your Heart is. And it actually, if you listen to it, it goes into the um, the crosstalk that appears in Andy Warhol. So like this song was meant to be on the record. It was meant to be the first track on side two, and it was supposed to go right into Andy Warhol. And I don't know what the reason was for taking Bombers out and replacing with Fill Your Heart. But Mm -hmm. I I think just having this one song on side two would beef up side two more. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But check it out if you haven't. um, I'm going to check it out. I haven't heard it. So so. when you do, there's a live version that's on Spotify and it's pretty good. It's um, a John Peel session. Uh, but there is I'll a, see if I can find it on YouTube. But there is a yeah, there, there there is a studio version that is on YouTube, and and that's the one to check out. It was originally included as a bonus track on the 1990 issue. I wish issue. they had these bonus tracks on Spotify. I like, know Spotify. I, I, it's included on the 1990 issue of um of Hunky Dory, but yeah, it's not on Spotify. Yeah, Spotify for whatever so, reason. So would Andy's definitive version of this of Hunky Dory be to just put bombers in where it should have been and take fill your heart out bottom line yeah i wouldn't change boom. the order of anything else just take fill your heart out and put bombers in boom yeah. get it because bombers bombers boom. uh, and then i had mentioned in the last episode that um there was a re-recorded version of the superman that was on mm-hmm. ziggy stardust uh it's actually mm-hmm. included so it's it's on the deluxe edition of ziggy mm-hmm. stardust but it was also included on the bonus edition of the 1990 edition of uh, Hunky Dory. So um, as stated in that episode, I do want to check out this version because that was a song that wasn't one of my favorites on The Man Who Sold mm-hmm. the World. Um, but other than that, just demos and alternate versions of other songs. There's a demo version of, of Quicksand, which I'll have to check that out. I don't think I've heard that. Um, and an alternate mix of the Bellway Brothers that I'll also check out, which I'm wondering if maybe that version does not include the outro. <laughs> Hey, th- there you go. Then that could be the definitive. There you go. It is three <laughs> seconds less, so maybe. Maybe, maybe. No, that outro is definitely longer than three seconds. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So, let's do our top three. My top three, I think. Oh man, I'd have to go. Life on Mars. Oh, you pretty things. I'm gonna give it to Quicksand. I was tempted to put Queen Bitch in there, but you know what? You hyped me up on Quicksand so much that I threw it on there. Fucking love Quicksand. Um, well, I think <laughs> it's very obvious that Quicksand is my number one. Uh, my number two would be Life on Mars. Mm-hmm. And, oh, man, honestly, it's a close one. I think I have to go with, oh, man. This is hard, actually. <laughs> so if it weren't for that fucking outro 
<laughs> you do <laughs> the, the ballet yeah, brothers yeah, would brother. be my number three but because of that it gets knocked down a couple uh, a couple notches mm-hmm. uh it would uh man it's, it would either be changes or or oh you pretty things um well i'll have to go i'm gonna honestly pretty. i'm gonna go with changes good okay cool now we're not exactly the same yeah <laughs> yeah uh but for, yeah uh, uh, cha- changes would be right there for me too but i think um changes for me uh it has been played a lot and i think oh you pretty things deserves some recognition because it's a great song definitely that's that's great yeah you can't go wrong with either one honestly and to me that song is the catchiest song on the album oh you pretty things i always get that song in my head (laughs) uh yeah i mean either that or changes for sure yeah Yeah, definitely yeah. yeah um but yeah i mean unless if there's anything else we got to add i think uh i think we just about covered hunky dory oh my god man are you are you telling me that the next episode is going to be going to be ziggy Stardust? it's going to be the rise oh my and god fall of z stardust and the spiders from mars wow that's that, that's crazy that we've gotten this far already Whew. And, and so I'll give you guys a little preview of next time. Ziggy Stardust was the first album that I think we discussed this when we were in the um, like possibly like the first episode because I think we talked about you know our Bowie um, experiences. We had to make the first episode somewhat interesting, right? Talking about the day. <laughs> um, but the point is, is that uh, so when we first well. To be fair, I'd already been kind of a Bowie fan. I'm not holding that because it seems like you've kind of surpassed me in terms of at least knowledge of Bowie stuff, and um, just I think you've probably heard more of his career than I have mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, although I'm I've been the fan longer. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I recall um, Ziggy Stardust. I remember you getting Ziggy Stardust, and that being the Bowie album where you were just like, "Wow, this is." Yeah, definitely, and I'm and I'm pretty sure that you were with me when i bought ziggy stardust um i think so, back in the I, I, high school I, days when we would go to rockaway mall uh to fye to buy our cds it. yeah i don't know if we discussed it and i recommended it or if it was just one of those albums that you just wanted to get yourself but I yeah do I, remember I would us talking about i would pretty it i would say that that's really that's accurate because i would uh i would credit you as the person that got me into david bowie um mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the the fandom has just gotten out of control on my end. Yeah, um, I mean, I like to to be fair, I really haven't dug super super deep into his stuff before. So mm-hmm. uh, there's some of the stuff that's like essentially new to me. Like while I've heard the first like the debut album before, and I've heard Man Who Sold the World and stuff. Like I, I'm pretty familiar with Hunky Dory and Space Oddity, but. I, like the definitely the debut and definitely the man who sold the world is the first time I've really deep dive those albums. So I'm really looking forward to when we get to like, you know, uh, the back end of the Berlin trilogy. When we get to uh, a album like Lodger that I've never heard before. When we get really post Let's Dance, I really don't know very much of that stuff at all. I can't uh, aside wait. Aside from because... like even in some of reality, I really don't know much of any of it so and i I can't wait to get into all that i mean i I can't wait to talk about lodger i can't wait to get into you know some of the 90s stuff um and then the last four records i can't wait to get into it's you know we're gonna get we're gonna hit some bumps on the way um Mm -hmm. it gets really exciting for the next several records 
Um, oh yeah, uh, Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, Diamond Dogs, uh, Station to Station, Low Heroes. I mean, we're talking some really, really great, like classic, classic Bowie albums. Scary Monsters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's By dance. the way, I we st- we are not covering pinups. Just so we're 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 clear, we're putting that up the, out there now. Uh, we are not think, doing a pinups episode. <laughs> no, we're, yeah, that's a good point. We should mention that we're not doing a pinups episode. Maybe we can briefly brush over it on the Aladdin Sane episode or something. Yeah, we could do uh, that. But we're not gonna, we're not gonna, uh, we're not gonna heavily cover uh, pinups. I might listen to it like once. I don't think I've ever really listened to pinups, to be honest. Uh, you're not missing out. It's fine. Um, you're not missing out. Um, I, I think it should also be worth mentioning. I didn't discuss this with you off mic, but I think it's also. We should make it a point for what we do see Stardust to um, talk a little bit about um, Live at um, Santa Monica, as well okay. as the uh, the Seek Stardust movie as well. Which I have never seen, so that maybe I should do some homework and actually see the movie. Yes, so, you know, to, to be honest with you, being the hardcore Bowie fan I am, I only saw the Seek Stardust movie about a year ago, so... Yeah, oh, okay. that's all right. I also really, really want to see The Man Who Fell to Earth, which was around this time too, wasn't it? Yes, or it was. was it a little later? Yep. Uh, when was that? I'm just going to... Man Who Fell to Earth. Sorry, we're like really getting off... Actually, no, that would be... I'm sorry, but that would be... I was, I was just about to say 76, because uh, the, the album cover of Station to Station is from that movie. I'm going to have to definitely see man who fell to earth as well as I, low actually yeah yep yeah so yeah that's that's mid 70s you're right cool but uh, oh boy wow did we just throw a lot of foreshadowing out there yeah no kidding so you, you guys got a got uh some uh so a nice little preview of what's to come Definitely. on the sound of music music <laughs> but um i think we need to call it because we again two back-to-back episodes i'm i'm exhausted i'm Same sure here. you are too um but this was fun i you know we again it gets exciting for the next several records guys so definitely stay tuned um again youtube sound of music like subscribe check yep. us out on check anchor us out on anchor and we have yet as of the last episode we still uh, don't have we aren't on the other platforms yet but Keep an eye out. I'll have everything linked to the YouTube page soon. So, But until next time, Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> yeah, Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy Stardust. I can't wait. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Peace. Bye.